This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. We like this day every year for <laughs> obvious reasons. We literally have these two hats up in our office, and we use them once a year. It's today. Shake off the dust. It's Cinco de Mayo. Yes. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a man proudly repping El Tri today, Jerem Jordan. Listen, I have Mexican heritage. My great-grandparents, grandparents, mom were born and li- raised in Mexico, then moved to the U.S. So I feel I feel like this is an important day in our family. Do I look ridiculous? And do you, you look pretty good. I look ridiculous. <laughs> I look like one of the three amigos, right? Which one are yeah. you is the real question. I don't know. Yeah, pick your poison, Red. Are uh, you Dusty Bottoms? <laughs> Ned Nealander? Typically, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we should mention that, so the Romney boys, uh, they lived in Mexico uh, for much of their childhood until they moved uh, when Baylor was in high school to uh, El Paso, which is like half of Mexico anyway, right? It's on the border of uh, Ciudad Juarez. So those guys, I share some uh, Mexican feelings with those guys. With the Romneys? Yeah. Solid. Those are my guys. Mormon, Solid. listen, listen. If you have any connection to the Mormon colonies, like you're t- it's like a tight group, man. Yes, and if you have a Mexican tyrant that is threatening your village, call Jerem and the Romney brothers. They'll don't, make their way down there as the three amigos and save you. Yeah, don't call me. <laughs> I thought you were referencing real history. I was like, there's real history there, not just the three amigos, man. They had to flee. It got crazy. Anyway. Whatever you do, just don't shoot anyway. the invisible swordsman. That's okay? kind of, you know, the main aim. Oh, great. Real bullets. <laughs> You're in big trouble, mister. Three amigos. Today's the day. Watch three amigos and Here. soldado. Here is today's show lineup. An early check on the national analysts who have pre-purchased their tickets to the BYU basketball NCAA tournament train, Jerem. The greatest to ever wear number nine in Cougar Blue, and very rarely does Austin Colley take a backseat to anybody. I want you to keep talking seriously with that sombrero. Plus, death to the RPI (laughs) once again. And how do you feel about an all-independent schedule? Because apparently the reality of that is becoming more likely. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Headlines. We're just going to keep going with some browse. Okay. Jay Drew of the Deseret News, formerly of the Salt Lake Tribune. I'm still getting used to that. Reports several independent football athletic directors are discussing the possibility of playing each other twice this season, home and road, if college football plays conference games only. BYU has not announced any plans as of yet. Uh, fellow independent football schools, including Liberty, Army, UMass, UConn, New Mexico State, Notre Dame, although the Irish don't seem to be part of this potential plan for obvious reasons. Uh, much more on this idea coming up in what's trending. The National Football League expected to release the 2020 regular season schedule this Thursday night, 8 Eastern on NFL Network. It's another live event. Where will Cougs in the NFL like Taysom Hill of the Saints, Kyle Van Noy and his new team Miami, Fred Warner of the 49ers and Daniel Sorensen of the Super Bowl champion Chiefs open their respective seasons. Additionally, the NFL has canceled five international games, four in London and one in Mexico City, that were on the schedule for the season. Every game will now be played in the United States. Joey has two games among ESPN's top 25 most important games in college football spread revolution. Bill Connolly cites 
1980 Holiday Bowl, where BYU passed for 446 yards in a 20-point comeback over SMU. Wait, they won? They did? And left early! And BYU's 41-27 1998 Liberty Bowl loss uh, to Tulane as the two games. BYU track and field signs Delita Awala Shaw, a sprinter from England. Nice. Awala Shaw runs an 11.95-100 meters and a 24.99-200 meters. Shaw attended South End High School in Gray's United Kingdom. All right, hats are coming off. Hats off? Okay. Hats, hats are coming off for trending. Let's get down to business. Okay. All right, yep. Donny Osmond. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending, presented by Trio Senior Living. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Doubling down on what we just reported. Yeah, here's the follicles. Doubling down on what we just reported, multiple athletic directors of independent football programs are actively discussing the possibility of playing home and road series against each other within the same season. All of this contingent, of course, on if college football plays conference games only. BYU, for the record, has not announced any plans relating to this. Army, Liberty, UConn, UMass, New Mexico State, Notre Dame. And BYU make up the seven-team independent group. Jerem, this would be unique. Could you embrace an all-independent schedule for BYU in 2020? Yeah, if it was in 2020, yes. If it's the fall and that's all we can do, BYU cannot schedule better. And that's why they haven't said anything. They're not going to discuss the means right now, just when there's something to discuss. We don't know that a college football season is not going to be played yet. So as of right now, BYU is playing Utah on September 3rd until they're not, right? Um, So I understand why BYU hasn't commented on it quite yet. They don't need to. Could I embrace it if that's all we get and that's all BYU can do? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's break that down a little bit. So Liberty Army, New Mexico State, UMass, and UConn, five times two, potentially ten games. I would imagine that uh, if if conference games are all you're playing, you're not playing more than like nine or ten, right? So uh, maybe BYU doesn't need to play everyone twice. They probably don't need an FCS game if they did this. This is all complete speculation, but it's kind of all we have. Um, how many games will play, be played? Will it start on time? This feels like a fall scenario only. If you can play in the spring, I'd imagine that you could come up with a more regular schedule. Um, Notre Dame's not going to be a part of this, uh, no doubt. They they don't play BYU, as we've kind of found out, after waiting for a game for a decade. <laughs> like it's been it's been a well, it's not been a decade since uh, what 2013, I think, or 12. Uh, you know, it's been a minute. Yeah, UConn's the new kid in this. I I can embrace if that's all we have. Yes, I would like to see some kind of independent championship if Notre Dame's not involved. Like. Okay, the two best teams are going to play for something that doesn't matter, but it's at least another game. And mm-hmm. Just find as much purpose as you can in the moment. It's all about the desperation factor. We're all thirsty in the desert if we've had no live sports by the time August and September roll around. Yeah, we're pulling out the canteen, and I'm drinking it all and leaving no drops for you. Like okay. in the Three Amigos. Three Amigos, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Lip bulb. <laughs> Fiji. Well, it's not my Fiji water, Jerem, or my smart water, so I don't know if I'm going to partake. Oh, really? You're just going to sit in the desert and not drink the secondary water out of the hose? No, give me all the water in the hose because I'm starving. I'm so thirsty for something. It's football. I will take it. All independent schedule, as you said, greater than no football. If this is the avenue to finally maybe get Notre Dame on the schedule, too, hey, great. This is not the way. Not banking on it, but it, no. th- it doesn't hurt the chances of uh, the Irish holding up their end of the deal. They're n- 
What? No, they're not going to do it in this situation. (laughs) They're less likely to do it in this situation. They play an all-ACC schedule, probably. They don't need BYU. They don't need anyone. No, they don't. They can do whatever. But they're men of their word, Jerem. All contracts can be broken. Come on. Clearly. Literally any contract. BYU would win nine-plus games for the first time in four years. And have a real shot at 10-plus wins for Woo! the first time in almost a decade, Jerem. Yeah, this is the kind of schedule that Jerem wants. 10-plus wins. Yes. BYU are you, was are in you the ready big for that? sky. Are you ready for that? Because if that happens, then that will be filling up your Twitter mentions. Hey, Jerem, you got your schedule. Yeah. No, that's not the schedule I want. I just want more balance. Like, I, I want a schedule that's challenging, but not too challenging. Right. right. Obviously, this wouldn't be challenging at all. I'd expect BYU to win every game on that. If they play all the independents but Notre Dame, I expect an undefeated season. Let's find another silver lining. And then lining. it won't matter. Like, it, it just won't matter. Let's, let's find another silver lining here, shall we? Where's the gold lining? No one talks about the gold lining. Okay, the gold lining, because gold is one of the primary colors of Army. BYU has never played nice Army anchor boy. anywhere. They haven't played yeah. in Provo. They haven't played back east. And Army has one of the more notable college football settings. So I actually want BYU to play Army. I want that to happen. This would push that forward. So Let, let's hope that New York a, City has calmed down by then. Otherwise, I would say don't line. go there. Or, yeah, right? play, play it at a neutral site. This or just a, come to Provo this in 2020. assuming that everything's, like, calmed down. Army, yeah. hey, come, come to Provo in 2020. If you want a return game, uh, we'll play it in Des Moines. Okay? <laughs> we'll, we'll do what Major League Baseball was going to do this year and just make a field out in the middle of nowhere. Yes, the field of dreams. Yes, exactly. No, it, it, I... It, I could embrace it if we don't have anything else, and this is all we can do because the schedules are just messed up. It would stink not to play the schedule BYU has because, yes, it's too hard. But there are some challenges on there that are fun. There's some rivals. Like in this, it's like there's not a lot of connective tissue between these. The independents are chosen outcasts of the college football society for a reason. Notre Dame and BYU certainly have unique reasons for why they do it. The other schools do as well. UConn's trying to get into another league at some point somewhere else. This is a temporary station. Yeah, well, BYU could play an FCS too, right? If they want to, yep. They could play up, Weber State Dixie or whatever. State, Weber State, Weber State's whatever. good, dude. Weber State's good. Hey, we'll take it. Yeah. It's and, something. And here's, here's more proof that these teams stink. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. The average projected ESPN football power index for the non-BYU Notre Dame independent teams is 120.2 out of 130. They are so bad. Ten wins, baby. Yeah, so if BYU play, they just win every game. 1984 again! We can make some shirt. No. What if BYU goes undefeated in their all-independent schedule? They're 12-0. And they're ranked 39th. In Sagarin. Yeah. That would be incredible. That's how you get your wins. Hey, That's you, not what I'm You can I'm only doing. play the teams on your schedule. <laughs> well, when you're independent, you make your you schedule. only so play the teams on your schedule. 12 and 0. 12? You ain't playing 12 games if you're only playing conference teams. Well, no. I mean, it would be against six opponents. Well, that's true. Now, unless if you're Notre playing Dame's conference only, you aren't playing 12. Unless you're Notre playing Dame. like nine, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hey, yeah. 10 and 0 then. <laughs> Topic two. <laughs> Multiple analysts are projecting the preseason hoops uh, next season. Is BYU in? Are they out? Uh, Dick Vitale, oh, baby! Jerry Palm discussing BYU's teams to watch or inside Mm -hmm. the bubble. John Rothstein, not in the early 45 uh, for him. Joe Lenardi, BYU not in the bracket going into next year. So projecting to the beginning of the season, Spencer, do you think the Cougars will be perceived as in or out? 
I would lean toward in, mostly based on the flash that last season produced. BYU was one of the most talked about college basketball teams. They had worked themselves out of any sort of tournament conversation all the way up to, at times, as high as a four or five seed. They were a projected six seed going into the tournament because they had lost to St. Mary's. But the flash was so bright that there will be some of that remaining. Like some shadows have been cast. Jerry Palm has taken notice. And he said, hey, I think BYU is going to be an 11 seed. Dick Vitale, obviously high on the Cougs, especially with the addition of Matt Harms. Now, Palm said BYU would be an 11 seed before Harms was ever in the conversation. That's interesting. I will be the first to join the happy throng if... BYU can secure a capable scoring guard and ball handler in the transfer portal to go along with Matt Harms and join Alex Barcella. They need a scorer and a ball handler. They get that athlete, then I'm all about BYU being on the tournament train. I think they'll be just out. Uh, and that's fine. Who cares what it is at the beginning of the season? It doesn't matter. Uh, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but just for comparison's sake, 1984, BYU started unranked, right? And then you can, after finishing number seven and eighty-three, right? You can so that's a complete uh, disrespect to Robbie Bosco and the running backs, which BYU was replacing quarterback and the running backs. Yeah, Steve Young. So it takes a sec, and Gordon Hudson, right? So yeah, with this team, uh, we certainly need to see another guy. I, I think if BYU gets a capable play f- right away ball handler that can score double digits, I would lean on the BYU's attorney team, right? Yeah, we. There's just so many unanswered questions with the roster, and we don't know those answers, and it's hard to project. Oh, yeah, Connor Harding's going to be this, and he and Alex Barcelo and Gideon George, and they're going to mesh in this way with these guys. It's just hard to know. There's a lot of dudes that haven't played at BYU or haven't played a major role at BYU quite yet. But to me, that's the fun part, the discovery, right? If you only enjoy the hike for the view you get at the top, you don't really enjoy the climb or the descent, right? That climb and descent is a very fun process, and uh, we enjoy that uh, following the team's development and what they did. Like, think about last year, how fun it was to go, oh, my gosh, Yoli Childs coming back, Jake Tilson coming back, Zach Selyus breaks his foot, Yoli Childs gets suspended, you get in the season, buzzer beaters, and now we're going. And then to cap it off with an amazing Gonzaga performance, a disappointing performance in Vegas, and then, ah, the season ends. But we just kind of forget the St. Mary's loss, right? It's just whatever. That's a fun part. So I, I think BYU will be just out, but I think the constant here, the variable is how will these players mesh? The constant is the coaching staff, and they're going to do a good job and maximize the talents of this team, and that probably feels like BYU eventually gets in. But before the season starts, probably just out because of the unanswerable. Projections are based on what you know. We just don't know a ton about this team yet. It's still clearly Gonzaga and then everybody else, right? And that's nationally in a lot of ways, right? Like, obviously, there's other teams, but Gonzaga's a preseason number one, not in the league, in the country. So everyone's playing for second every year. Until Mark Few isn't there. Yes, BYU is still facing their own tyrant in the West Coast Conference. They're El Wapo. (laughs) Right? In terms of winning, yes. The Cougars have got to break down the fortress. I'm hesitant to call someone that we might interact with a tyrant. Like at (laughs) WCC Media Days. What Gonzaga does in terms of winning. They dominate. Yes, has principles of that. They just dominate. They're so good. And if BYU clips them once in a blue moon, which they've done, right? What, four times in nine years? Five times? 
and they most recently got him. So uh, awesome. they're, like, hanging, they're, hanging that over, they're hanging that over Gonzaga as we uh, are in the no sports area of life. Yes. Well, Gonzaga went on to win the league in St. Mary's, but yeah, the last game was BYU. Oh, I'll take what I can That's, get. Yeah. That, that was an actual victory and a moral victory that at, was the an, that was an act- <laughs> at the same time. That was At the same time. I will take it. Our question of the day. Uh, this is an interesting one because of no live sports and speculation that BYU football may have to play an all-independent schedule if conferences decide to just hunker down and only play against conference teams. What would be the best and worst part of a possible all-independent BYU football schedule in 2020? Let's hear from you. Go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Clark Amundsen answers on Twitter and says, I'm with Johnny Linehan, who says there is no best in this scenario. There's no upside to this. I'd rather not have a BYU season. What, really? What? Again, this is the guy that's like, it's not Fiji water. I'm not drinking it. You're going to die there with no football? Read his whole response. Stop it. Very little chance BYU would go undefeated. What? Even in that schedule. Really? Uh, what? So, wait. So, you want a regular schedule? Losing to some of those teams could set the program back years. Um, fun fact, BYU lost to UMass. Did it, did it set the Cougars back years? I mean, that was a bad loss, but it did set them back years? I don't think individual losses set programs back. I think <laughs> collective losses a of season, a season. Four and nine might set you back a year or two. All right, BYU bounced back. They were seven and six. That was better. Obviously, you wanted more than seven and six last year, but set the program back. I think that's a little dramatic, in my opinion. Clark has his opinion. Go All dominate. All good. Johnny's saying there's no best in this scenario. Yes, there is. In any, and maybe that's in jest, but in any situation, you just got to make the best of it. If BYU can't play its regular schedule, it will do the best it can just to have a schedule because you have to make money. You have to entertain in some way. Yes, it would stink, but it's better than nothing. Don't tell me it's better. uh, Having nothing is better than at least playing the independence. Come on. Drink from the hose. Come on. Come on. And BYU's never played Army. Also, the uh, verbiage of... BYU sweeps the season series would come into play in college football. <laughs> and then we have the rubber match for the title. See, I, I would want a title game just, just for fun because Why we not? don't have anything else. Why not? If you can't do anything else, just that's the next best thing. Embrace what's available. Yeah. Okay, coming up, who was the best to wear number nine? Again, like yesterday, super obvious. And Jonathan Tavernari is ready to launch some hot takes from deep. Is he on the tourney train with Dickie V? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Join us Friday as we chronicle the 17-1, number one ranked BYU men's volleyball's 2020 season that was cut short. It's unfinished business, May 8th, noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. We are live in Studio B. Happy Cinco de Mayo. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan, a man who's proudly wearing his Mexican heritage today, or was at the beginning of the show. Right? Yeah, we wore uh, some sombreros there here on the set in c- case we get in the mood again. Uh, but, yeah, chips and salsa for everybody. On let's Spencer. go. On let's Spencer. go. Uh, let's make the show a little bit better as well and bring in Jonathan Tavernari, who joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, JT for three, ready to throw some high heat. Got the three YU shirt on, too. Yes, he does. Of course. Nice. Like, it's a perfect match, right? JT, uh, I love your shirt. Hair, need... Hair's looking good. Yeah. Way, it's growing back. Okay. How'd you get a haircut in the quarantine, man? 
Um, I married above my, uh, my, my means. And so, you know, my wife is also, uh, my personal stylist. My personal wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, we can use some more optimism right now. amidst two months of no sports. Uh, how have you maximized this time? I, you know what? I, I enjoy it. You know, I'm, I'm around my family more and, you know, I got to be around my loved ones. Um, you know, and, and to be honest, this is something that when we were in Europe, um, we were, we had a lot of downtime, right? But it's not like we could, you know, go tour a whole lot of places because we would have one or two days off and have practice and, and things and so forth and have to get in and take care of, of, of shooting or some treatment or whatever. So, you know, having downtime and, you know, only going to the backyard or going to a park and shoot some hoops with my son or, you know, the, you know, the, the eventual go to a drive through or a takeout. So it's, you know, I think the best part has been spending time with family. So, yeah, that's been nice for sure. Let's talk about BYU hoops. So we've been discussing national analysts, uh, some are in, some are out on BYU in terms of just preseason kind of tourney team, right? Dickie V over the weekend saying, look right. out for BYU. What's your opinion of where BYU will be perceived going into the season, assuming we start on time? Will they be a team that's perceived as a tourney team right away, or will they have to fight their way in? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on Cinco de Mayo, nothing like having the Brazilian guy, <laughs> the Latino guy on that, you know? So I appreciate that, right? You know, uh, thank goodness for affirmative action, and that was born in, <laughs> in there. I really appreciate it, guys. And, and I'll get to the answer in a minute, but uh, Jerem, um, outside of an eventual 10 that you got when you were in Brazil, what other Mexican heritage do you have? I'm <laughs> my mom grew up time. in Mexico, bro. Okay, my yeah. my grandparents and my great grandparents grew up in Mexico. Got it. Okay. So that's well, legit. Anyway, I, I, that's legit, hey, JT. Right. Yep. So <laughs> hey, thanks for clearing that up, guy. I've so expensed. My bad. But okay. you know, I think that here's the thing. Um, and you know, and I got a little bit of heat by this on social media, but um, in my personal opinion, um, the fact that BYU is getting talked about, um, it goes beyond. Uh, Matt Harms quality as a basketball player and this is no way in shape or form related to how good of a shot blocker it is or a presence or this and that but I think the fact that people are kind of just forgetting about it a minute is Mark Pope went toe-to-toe with blue chips program I mean he went toe-to-toe with with blue breeds and and you know and just high quality uh, programs and he beat them for somebody that he really wanted and I think that in itself, it's one of the main reasons why BYU is getting so much hype. Now, you know, with the core that they have with Alex and with Connor, um, you know, now that, um, you know, Gavin came back and got his toes wet a little bit, um, I think uh, Kobe is going to be a major factor. I mean, we saw Kobe improve tremendously during the season, right? I mean, let alone what all of this period that he can get in a gym and work out and so forth, what's going to do to that kid? Richard and somebody else that I think is going to have a huge impact. And, and the same thing with Wyatt, um, along with Travis Nell, somebody that we, we, we barely got to see it, um, along with some other guys that, um, you know, um, you know, like Wade got hurt, you know, towards the beginning of the season and couldn't play. So I think that that along with, you know, coming this prized selection that, you know, again, Matt Harms, a seven foot, you know, seven footer of that magnitude. When was the last time the BYU got one of those? It's been for quite some time, right? Um, and, you know, by no way, shape, or form, um, I think that just adding him to the mix is what puts BYU at that top echelon 
to be able to be considered a powerhouse or, or, or a national impact. But I do think that, wait a minute, this guy chose to go to BYU instead of Kentucky. You know, that raised some eyebrows. And so um, will they get some national rankings right off the gate? Possibly. You know, I don't see why not. Um, Alex had a tremendous season. So did Connor. And here's the thing. Connor did all of that on probably a knee and a half, right? Because he had his brace and he wasn't 100%. And so, um, and let me tell you something. And you guys know how I feel about, you know, being the three-point shooter. Trevin L can shoot the rock. I mean, I, he's got a pure stroke and he's got a good rhythm. I think he's going to be really good next year. Um, you know, and so, and, I mean, and again, to have Dickie V say that, you know, watch out Gonzaga. I mean, you know, he does know what he's talking about. But, right. what, but what do you think he means by that? Because I don't see BYU winning the league over Gonzaga, but perhaps in Vegas? Is that what we're referring to? Again, you know, if you really think about that, BYU was maybe one or two games away from being able to challenge Gonzaga for the, for the WCC regular season. I don't see why not, right? You see the game, you know, there was a game that they dropped. I think it was San Francisco, um, that it was just a, just a tough game. You get situations like that. Um, you never know, right? And, seeing, and obviously, Gonzaga is going to be the number one team, um, you know, probably in the country. And but you never know with these bad breaks. And again, having that nucleus, that 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 core group. I mean, you're talking about Alex. You're talking about Connor. You're talking about Kobe. You're talking about Gavin. You're talking about Trev. You're talking about all of these guys. You literally you can have about five or six players that were around Mark Pope last year and his staff that kind of know what to expect, set the tone. I mean, Alex is going to be definitely you know a ferocious leader where up in the morning workouts. Hey, do the right thing. Do that. And, and so I don't see why not. Again, um, you know, you guys kind of put me on, on the ice box for a week when I said that BYU was going to go undefeated, um, <laughs> you know. And then, uh, you know, I guess my, uh, you know, my Latin, my Latin friend over here that I just found out today, <laughs> um, he tells, you know, he's like, well, I'm all, all in, you know. Uh, you know, things evolve and, you know, things get better. And so – I don't see why, you know, BYU can shoot to maybe just have, you know, just one or two losses for the, for the regular season and, and get into conference with that rhythm. Because, and again, I know I'm going a little bit too long, but you guys remember that last year. As soon as they got in the rhythm, I mean, that game against Gonzaga at home was unbelievable. And so um, I don't see why, you know, these things couldn't happen. Jonathan Tavernari with us on BYU Sports Nation. Clearly, the dynamic of this team is going to be so starkly different because out go the three-point shooters of Toulson and Hawes and even Yoli Childs, who was shooting almost 50% from beyond the arc. And in comes this insurgence of size. Jeremy and I both feel that BYU needs another ball handler and a scoring guard for BYU to really be in the conversation of, hey, they're going to finish top two in the WCC, and they are a tournament team. Do you feel differently? Do you feel like BYU has enough tools in the shed right now to get it done and not have to bring in an additional guard? Well, and, and that's one of the things that they're looking right now, the transfer portal, right? It's one of the things that we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. But, um, you know, it, it, it's an interesting thing because if you look at how do you play a seven-footer, right? I mean, you know, this guy, by all means, he's not so much a back-to-the-basket type of guy, right? So much like Kobe that you can get a bucket. And so you're going to have to figure out a way that you can play in and out. And because, again, a seven-three – um, that is something that you need to take advantage of. I mean, how many guys have we seen coming through Gonzaga that are 7'3", 
and that BYU can finally match with them, right? I mean, I can think of my one of my boys, Zach Collins, you know, from Gorman. And so, but I think that this is something that BYU can take advantage of. The whole reason why I, you know, on the record books, I'm one of the best to ever shoot at BYU is because of Trent placed it, is because of Chris Miles, is because of Brendan Davies, is because of Noah Hartsuck, is because of Lee Kamard, Tyler Haas, all of these guys that they played on the post. So they would play in and out, in and out. I would pay, I would space out because a lot of times when I played a pick and roll, people would switch on me. And so I think that this is something that with Trevin, with Alex, with Connor, okay, um, maybe they got another guy there that can maybe not only be a ball handler, but be a space the floor type of guy like Dalton Nixon Flores last year. Dalton Nixon in the beginning of the season was knocking down threes like, you know, uh, it was just, you know, almost like a, a revival of playing in and out, sharing the ball. And so I think that not so much an, a, 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 another ball handler as much as it would be the key for how Matt, uh, from how Mark Pope and the boys can develop Matt Harms playing back to the basket so they can play in and out and create mismatches on the perimeter. Okay. So uh, at this point, you're on the tournament train. Have you purchased your ticket? You know, I, I don't see why not. And I don't think it's so much as a tournament train as much as, you know, when has BYU consistently been a good? When they have continuation, when they have, you know, underclassmen and then upperclassmen that they can kind of progress. And BYU hasn't had that for a while, you know? And so with everything that happened last year, and again, Yoli being now is a travesty, but, you know, uh, we're not going to talk about the NCAA and, and all of that. And, um, but if you think about the, the, the sequence, the continuation that there is now with, with Alex Barcelo and Connor Harding is going to be a junior and Gavin's going to be a junior. And so you have that continuation of freshmen coming in and then you have sophomores and juniors and then you have your senior leadership. Again, obviously you're not going to have one of the best to ever do it in a program um, in TJ Hawes and Yoli Child. You're not going to have, you know, a, a bona fide winner with, with Jake Toulson, but you do have a little bit of continuation. And so I think that guys know what it takes to get there. Um, and again, you know, BYU is not Kentucky, is not Duke. We're not the lens of one and one and done. Um, and, and, and I think that when Coach Rose really got consistent um, was when uh, Keeney Young was a senior, I was a freshman, and then I became a sophomore with Lee Kamard, and then Charles Abuel came in, and I was a junior, and that, con- and that continued. And Jimmer was a, a sophomore, and he became a senior with younger guys like Kyle Collinsworth and, TJ, and, and Tyler Hawes. And so that's when BYU flourishes, when you have that continuation and so forth. JT, thank you for being the resident Brazilian to help us celebrate Cinco de Mayo, man. Great to catch up <laughs> hey, with you. I really appreciate it. Uh, hey, uh, Jerem, just so you know, Brazil is not Mexico. You don't speak Spanish down I'm, there. I Pero am muchas well gracias aware. Por tu atención. Mi gran hermano Latino. Fuerza Mexico! Hey, now, Jerem, you know what that means? So, I know you said that you're kind of Mexican now, so I, you know... <laughs> he has no idea what I said. <laughs> oh, the man of many languages. JT, great stuff, man. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. Jonathan Tavernari on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. <laughs> Coming up, the RPI goes down again, and it's awesome. <laughs> And back-to-back days of Super Bowl champions in our best-to-wear-it series. How about that? This is BYU Sports Mission. 
Hey, listen to BYU Sports Nation On Demand. You can download the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. What is Cinco de Mayo on BYU Sports Nation without a little whip? It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. Jay Drew of the Deseret News reports several independent football athletic directors are discussing the possibility of playing each other twice this season of college football plays conference games only. BYU has not announced any plans as of yet because they just don't need to. This is just an idea. Fellow independent football schools like Liberty, Army, UMass, UConn, New Mexico State, Notre Dame, also independent, but they wouldn't be part of this plan, this plan for, I think, obvious reasons. Come on, Irish. Hey, ESPN listed two BYU games in the top 25 most important games in college football spread offense revolution. Yes, it's a headline. Only because we have no live sports, except for Korean baseball. The first listed game, 1980 Holiday Bowl, BYU 46, SMU 45, the Miracle Bowl. That list also included BYU's 41-27 loss to Tulane in the 1998 Liberty Bowl against Sean King. Cougars in the NFL. ESPN just tweeted a uh, GIF. Uh, you can It's scrolling. You can pause it to see your fa- which team to root for in Korean, Korean? baseball. I picked mine already. Yeah, you're going to pause it. LG Twins. Oh, okay. Seoul. You're the LG Twins. Yeah. I see my team's the Lotte Giants. Yeah, they out are. Of Pusan, South Korea. Yeah, they are. Let's go. The NFL is expected to release the 2020 regular season schedule this Thursday at 8 Eastern on the NFL Network. Track and field. Signs Delita Awala Shah, a sprinter from England. Awala Shah runs an 11.95100 meters and a 24.99200 meters. She attended South End High School in Grays, United Kingdom. Women's basketball. The Associated Press is reporting something awesome. The Women's Basketball Committee will start using the NCAA Evaluation Tool, or NET, instead of RPI this season. This is great because <laughs> RPI, RPI stinks. The men have used NET the last two seasons. The women's version of NET won't use scoring margin. The men's goes up to 10, although they are going to evaluate and tweak it a little bit. Some NET is better than no NET when you're comparing it to the RPI. Well, yeah, this is like all the net minus one little thing. Yes. It's all good. So good. No, no, no. The RPI is so antiquated. It's like 80s. No, no, so no. done. We shouldn't use tech. So done. We shouldn't use tech or formula or what from the 80s, probably, right? I feel like we can evolve 40, Yeah, 30, uh, get rid of the years, yellow right? Walkman and embrace your AirPods. Like, I don't know. This laser disc is nice. Time for the best to wear it. We started at zero, counting up. It's a count up through 99. Yep. Today features the great number nine, Jim McMahon, Jerem. Jim McMahon, one of the greatest punters in BYU history. Fun fact, he did punt uh, early in his career. Obviously a great quarterback, in my opinion, the greatest quarterback to watch for BYU tight end number two, Steve Young number three. He passed for 9,536 yards in his career, which at the time was the second most of anybody in college football history. Fourth at BYU today. His 46-27 of total low in 1980, second at BYU all-time to Ty Detmer's 5,022 and 90. 84 passing yards, third at BYU. He threw for six or more TDs in three different games, only Cougar to do that. 47 touchdowns in 1980 Whoa. was an NCAA record for 10 more years until David Klingler threw 54 in 1990. And to this day, his 47 touchdown passes in 80 is 13th all-time. He wore, won the Davey O'Brien, Sammy Baugh, third in the Heisman, fifth in the Heisman. Fifth pick, tied for highest in BYU history with Ziggy Ansah, College Football Hall of Famer, BYU Hall of Famer. He broke 75 records over the course of his career. <laughs> That's 75? Insane. Like, that can't happen again. <laughs> I don't care how good you are. Like, what he did when he did it was unbelievable. I don't think Austin Colley ever takes a backseat to anybody at BYU 
unless it's this conversation. Yeah. And who was the best to wear number nine? Because Honorable Austin mention. Collie, we think, is the GOAT of BYU receivers. He is. He had the greatest stats of anybody through three seasons. Uh, Cody Hoffman, amazing receiver as well, had four seasons, so he tops Austin in yeah, a Yeah, what categories. would Austin's numbers have been had he stayed all in four years? Oh, goodness. Okay, 08 is the greatest receiving year in BYU history by an individual. 106 catches. 1,538 yards, which led the nation, by the way. 15 touchdowns. Of course, the memorable 4th and 18 catch against Utah in 07. He's top three in BYU history in catches, receiving yards, TDs. Only three years, as mentioned. Fourth round pick to the Colts. Played in 09. Played in Super Bowl 44. He would have had one of the best non-quarterback careers in the NFL, but concussions got him. And he played with the Patriots, with Tom Brady, and got to uh, a championship game that year. And obviously with Peyton Manning early in his career. I'm so sad for Austin that he didn't get a full NFL career because there was a season, I want to say his second or third year with the Colts, where he was leading the country in all the the country, I mean the NFL, yes. in all of the major receiving categories. He was crushing it, and he is the GOAT at receiver at BYU, no question in my mind. Yeah, his second season, talk about like they taking that sophomore leap. Good grief. I mean, playing with Peyton Manning helps, but you still got to execute. And it's one thing to – be like, oh, yeah, he's a good receiver. It's another to have Peyton Manning say he was a really good receiver. Right. And Collie, of course, has some history. Uh, his dad played here in the 80s. His older brother, Zach, played. Dylan played, went to Hawaii, came back. So the Collies are the first family of receivers at BYU. You can talk about the Domans, right? Uh, Brandon plays quarterback, but there's Cliff and a bunch of guys that ended up playing receiver. That's that's the wide receiver family of BYU, yeah. I think. Some of you are like, well, wait, how did Austin wear number nine if Jim McMahon has his number retired? McMahon didn't have number nine retired. Until he graduated from BYU. Until 2014. Which was 2014, and that was yeah. a terrible night. That's the night Taysom Hill got hurt. Which one? 2014 against Utah State. Uh, that halftime was the worst. We're going to spin that Taysom conversation positive. Yes, right? we will. Coming up, it's a Taysom Tuesday top five games in BYU history. Plus, we played Dope or Nope. BYU linebacker Isaiah Kafusi, a top 20 player in the country? This is BYU Sports Nation. Says who? BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. On the latest episode of VoiceOver with Greg and Chad, the guys talk with head basketball coach Mark Pope. Fun conversation there. Check it out on the BYU TV Sports YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram page. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Hope you're enjoying your Cinco de Mayo spectacular. We know we are in Studio B alongside Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. Hey, let's play Dope or No. Presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. Jerem, number one, Dope or Nope. The 1980 Miracle Bowl and 1998 Liberty Bowl. In ESPN's list of most influential games in the college football spread offense era. Well, one of them is dope because BYU's loss doesn't matter. Uh, but the 1980 game, yeah, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. Dope. Uh, B- we know that BYU was the best at doing this early on. BYU wasn't the only team to be passing early. There were other teams. But BYU did it the most consistently with a bunch of different quarterbacks with the same coach. Yes, they revolutionized it and the consistency of it. And they won They won with it. Like other teams have passed but not won a ton of games. BYU won with it. They yeah. won a national title with it. If BYU weren't on this list somewhere, then it would be weird. Yeah, that'd be weird. I, I, would, I would pick a game earlier on like a Gary Shetty game or a Virgil Carter game, by the way. Virgil Carter put up like 500 passing yards in a game in like 65. That's the game I would have put in. 
That's was crazy, he, right? Was he the first? He doesn't get. I have an quarter, hour's worth of thoughts on this. First quarterback All-American at BYU, Virgil Carter? I don't think he was an All-American. Because Eldon Forte was the first All-American. I think Max Warner in 34 actually was. Oh, that qualifies. Okay. Yeah, like, that's one list. Anyway, we could I go all day with this. But, yeah, Virgil Carter, I think, should be listed as the first great quarterback at BYU. Okay. Okay, next one. Isaiah Kafusi, 12th on the PlayStation player impact rating list based on the team's performance when he's on and off the field. Essentially a plus minus. I didn't know football had a plus minus. This came out January 18th. I just noticed it yesterday. Isaiah Kafusi was 12th. Okay, that's dope. Uh, I also think the institution of a plus minus in football as another statistic would be fun. Right. Yeah. This is born of hockey, uh, hockey stat, right? When you're on, how many goals does the team score and, and allow? Points, turnovers. And then that is spread into other, uh, you know, other sports. Basketball, I use it a lot more now. Hey, not surprising because Kafusi found himself in the middle of several big turning point plays last season. Yeah, yeah this is cool. Yeah, I think it's dope. I think Isaiah Kafusi is a good player. We ranked the top 10 yesterday, and he, he's in it. He was on clearly. the list. He was on the list. All right, Jaron, number three. The NFL making their 2020 season schedule announcement a primetime event. NFL Network live Thursday night at 8 Eastern. I think it's dope from an entertainment standpoint. We don't have a lot of live anything going on. If you're watching Korean baseball, you've entered a certain level of boredom, right? Perhaps you already loved it before. but Go Lotte Giants. Like, like, no judgment. We don't have anything, right? So I, I say dope. The NFL is trying to speak this into existence, if you will, right? Yeah, we're going to play. We're going to play. We're going to figure it out. Like, we'll figure it out. And I think that's an encouraging attitude given a worldwide pandemic. Yes, I love that they're making this a live primetime event. Football fans are super thirsty for anything. Give it to them. Make it an event. The draft was so successful. Why would you not make the schedule announcement a primetime event? And I can see the argument for, hey, you're being very naive. This is a serious situation. They, they, they're not saying they're playing. They're just pushing as if it's going to happen and then when it's not you push it back yeah this is the optimistic take and for what it's worth the nfl has 32 teams and the capability and financial backing to play the season without fans if that's what it comes to they could do this they could isolate and yeah, figure it out they have the money to test to test and do all that stuff super complicated i know but they could do it the moment someone tests positive then what that whole team's out for two weeks and the opponent because they interact. With, I, it's just really hard, and it's not just well, the teams. You're it's talking the about trainers and the. What if what if a majority of the team already has the antibodies and they're okay? Have we quantified who has the antibodies? Well, they're yet? starting to do that. The that's, antibody test is, is happening more and more rapidly. So. But it's, it's my like, point is the NFL's rich enough to do all that. It's testing. just so complicated. Okay, uh, you guys that have the antibodies over here. Oh shoot, our quarterback doesn't. Um, you have to. Oh man, uh, we got to play the. Back. It's just really weird. Okay, more uh, RIP of the. RPI. Women's basketball dropping RPI for the net moving forward. Dope, 100%. Is there anything that's not dope on this list? It's about time that women's basketball embraced what men's basketball is doing for the last few years. The net is clearly a better metric than the RPI. Yes, this is dope. Yes, the net takes into more uh, more things into account. Here's, here's the thing with net that's nice. Uh, it's a good sorting tool, but the metrics that men's hoops use is like, Ken Palm and Sagarin and ESPN BPI, those don't exist completely in women's hoops. And that's a minor issue in this process. I think net is a good starting point, but there's not people evaluating women's hoops the same as men's basketball for whatever reason. And uh, I think that will complicate this a little bit. But this is a, a nice step in the Absolutely. Right. All right, final one. 
More blue in the Marriott Center. Oh, this is great. BYU Tickets tweeted out yesterday the fact that they're replacing the benches in the Upper Bowl with blue benches. So the tan seats are still going to stay, stay, you see, in the upper left. Like, I would love for those to go blue at some point as well. All tan needs to eventually. All tan just go away. Just, yes, be yeah. done. But this is dope. Again, uh, great step in the right direction. Um, we need to get rid of tan. <laughs> Tan's the worst. What do you think? I'm, I'm totally with you. Yes, no tan. Do you remember? We uh, raised the money to get rid of any tan left in the Marriott Center. Do you remember a few years ago when the BYU quarterbacks still had the tan jackets yes, for some the reason? With the tan you and I were like, whoa, 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 what are those? What are those? Yeah, that was those weird. Quarterback jackets were like 15 years old. Yeah, what the heck. Okay, coming up, which BYU coach hit a hole-in-one yesterday? Wow, plus a rise and shout-out because live sports are back. We think this is BYU Sports Nation. Wait, what? This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, show available anytime on demand via the BYU... Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, show available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. I'm Spencer Linton. That is Jaron Jordan. If you want the uh, podcast on demand, you can uh, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, subscribe, rate, and review. It is now time for Top 5 Tuesday, presented by Delta Airlines Keep Climbing. Last week, Taysom Hill got paid. Two-year, $21 million contract, $16 million guaranteed, mm-hmm. keeping him in New Orleans. So in honor of Taysom's lucrative contract, we bring you our top five Taysom Hill games at BYU. Number five, we all remember the injury he had in 2015 against Nebraska, but he was really good in this game. The throw, the catch, the call, everything was perfect on the Hail Mary later. But before that, Taysom Hill in three quarters put up 268 passing yards, a TD, and 72 yards rushing while adding two rushing touchdowns as well. That was the play that it happened on, we think, the Liz Frank tear. He played the third quarter with the Liz Frank tear. At halftime, he knew he tore it. In fact, I was told at halftime that this happened as well and had to watch and not tell anyone in the second half that I knew. And it was just a hush went over our countdown to kickoff crowd when we announced that he was out for the season. Obviously, inside BYU football's capturing of that moment was dramatic as well. Taysom Hill, what a warrior, man. Captain America. Number four, 2012, Taysom's return to Idaho proved to be a heartbreaking 7-6 loss to Boise State on a failed two-point conversion. But in 2013, he flipped the script, left his mark on the Broncos. 339 passing yards, second highest total in any game for Hill. Three touchdowns. He added 69 yards on the ground and another score. Take that, Broncos. And the year, the, yeah, Cody Hoffman makes a, a record-breaking catch in this game as well. 2012, Taysom came off the bench in the fourth quarter to save BYU's bacon and at least get into the end zone, right? Number three, by 2014, Texas already had enough of Taysom. We'll get to 2013 in a minute. A year later, T- Taysom wasn't done with Texas. Uh, a massive win for BYU, 41-7 to there. Of course, the... Uh, he had 280 yards, uh, total three touchdowns, but this is known for an iconic moment, the leap, where oh, he yeah. just... He, oh, yeah. But we're seeing all the other highlights that you forgot about, right? Jordan Leslie, an amazing catch Woo! inside the 20, but it's this play that really defines it as he gets out of the pocket, rushes to his left, and hurdles the man into Whee! the end zone. Oh, so good. 
Taysom Hill taking it to Texas. More on that in a moment. In 2013, we keep it in Texas. Taysom and company in an instant classic against Houston. 47-46 iconic shootout. Comeback effort from Hill as he found Skyler Ridney late with a touchdown pass. However, Taysom's dominance in this game is only fully appreciated with a little context. He threw for 417 yards and ran for 128, total of four touchdowns. 400-100 game, the only one in BYU history. He's one of 12 quarterbacks to accomplish that feat in FBS history, according to the NCAA football record books. Great game. What a game. Gets forgotten a lot. And the top game in Taysom Hill's career at BYU is 2013 against Texas. Uh, a disappointing loss the week before to Virginia in a close one where uh, he throws a pick late. It slips out of Jamal Williams' hand. All of a sudden, sophomore Taysom Hill and BYU take down top 15-ranked Texas after a two-hour delay before the game, right? It ended up being a three-hour countdown to kickoff. We were on the air the whole time. And what a performance as Manny Diaz got fired the next day from Texas. Back <laughs> round at the end of the year. The Manny Diaz game. He runs for 259 yards at quarterback. And Jamal ran for 182. Unbelievable. All right. Our question of the day about BYU football and about a potential all-independent BYU football schedule in 2020. Uh, would you be okay with it? Best and worst part of it. Jared Havens is our elite voice of the day on Facebook. He says the best part would be winning football games. Negatives would be complete irrelevance, road TV contracts, and getting upset by a Liberty or Army. That's one way of looking at it. Today's rise in shout-outs. Mine goes to Fessy Sataki, BYU wide receiver coach, who... Got a hole-in-one yesterday. Congratulations. That's a notable accomplishment, man. Knocked in a hole-in-one, Fesh. Sweet. Nice, man. Uh, My rising shout-out goes to the KBO, the Korean Baseball Organization, for bringing back live supports. What did you just say? It doesn't matter. That's (laughs) twice that I've been, uh, you know, flustered over not knowing what was going on. Go Lotte Giants. Live sports are back. Granted, it did have a fire delay and a little bit of a rain Live delay. sports are back, really. Our thanks to today's <laughs> guest, Jonathan Tavernari. Started in a spitter. No doubt. <laughs> for Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Glenn Kozlowski. We'll see you for BYU Sports Nation tomorrow, noon Eastern. Go Cougs.